personal finance presentation, tax record keeping system, prepare to get financially fit by practicing personal finance, tax record keeping system. So clearly taxes will impact our budgeting and planning process and have a significant impact on our financial planning. Therefore, it's gonna also have an impact on the way we're going to be sorting our data. We wanna make sure that we sort the data in such a way that we can be in compliance with the tax code, make the tax filing system as easy as possible when we have to do the tax preparation at the end of the year. So we want the tax form and filing information. So usually we're thinking about the federal income taxes the 1040 we might have related information for state income taxes if we are in the united states and are in a state that has then state taxes that are in a similar fashion meaning an income tax on the state level as well here we're focusing in on the federal income tax because the federal income tax is a fairly complex tax system it being based on income meaning we have to of course determine what that income is it having a progressive tax system meaning we have different tax rates that will actually be taxed on and because there's different types of deductions that will be involved, meaning we're gonna to have to determine what kind of deductions we're going to need to track information for and make sure that we have them in place as well as any kind of credits, which also kind of complicate the calculation of the taxes. We'll talk a little bit more about the difference between taxes and deductions and credits in a future presentation. So we want income records. So clearly any kind of income record, we want to make sure that we're storing that income record in some way, shape or form. Usually if for most people, if you're a W-2 employee, this kind of income records are fairly straightforward. And it used to be that these things would all be given in, in the mail. You get the paper mail type of item for things like the W-2s and any other income, 1099 type of income, interest income, dividend income, and so on. And it would be a good filing system to just take that information. Note, this is tax information, clearly, because it has a tax form. Look on it. It's either a 1099, 1098, or it's a, it's a W-2 form and then put it into a folder that would be separate for your taxes. That still might work quite well, but even on those types of forms, many people are going to a digital kind of format, which could be easier, but you gotta make sure that you have your filing system set up to be in alignment with that. So if you get your, your access to your W-2 forms and your 1099 from your institution, either your employer or the financial institutions generally online, then you wanna make sure that you have access to them and you get them all into one place, either printing them, downloading them, or saving them to an appropriate folder, making sure that you have the sufficient safeguards of that folder for security purposes, given the fact that it can be sensitive types of information with tax record and ID and so, so much on it. So with, we have then the expense records. Now, when we're thinking about expenses, when we think about our normal financial planning, we think about budgeting, having our income and expenses, tracking the income and expenses in accordance with what our personal financial goals are going to be. But of course, the income taxes will impact how we want to be grouping our expenses in some ways as well, because some laws on the federal types of things are fairly straightforward in that normally, when you think of expenses, the business expenses kind of make sense. In other words, you would think that if it was an income tax, you're gonna be taxing me on my income, then anything that I had to spend in order to generate the income should be a legitimate deduction. So if you're talking like your own business, a Schedule C type business, this is as clear 
there as you can kind of see it, meaning most deductions are things that you say, well, in order to generate the income, I had to spend this money. If I wanted to sell this widget, I had to buy the widget or make the widget first. It would not be fair for you to tax me on the sales price when I had to spend this money in order to generate that revenue. That's normally what you would think is a normal kind of deduction for an income tax, something that you expended in order to generate the income. But of course, the tax law gets quite complicated as, as they kind of argue over what kind of deductions and they might put deductions in there for reasons that are completely unrelated to why to the earning of the money. So many of the itemized deductions, for example, have different purposes. So medical expenses being deductible uh, is, is something that's not really directly related to revenue generation. So some of, and you might have obviously charitable deductions are an idea that trying to incentivize people to give to charity that has nothing to do with revenue generation. Even the home mortgage deduction is on a personal property, not on business property. So it's kind of an unusual type of deduction just from an income deduction kind of standpoint. So whatever whatever kind of expenses we're tracking that aligns to the tax code, we want to make sure that we're doing it in such a way that we're grouping those expenses that we can then make the make the calculation for the for the end of the year. Some of them might have to do with childcare and things like that, which once again is is a, a deduction that's not really aligned to revenue generation and we want to track that kind of expenses in a way that we can easily put them together on the tax return. So tax forms and filing instructions. So these can be found on the IRS website. It's a very easy website to, to memorize. It's irs.gov, irs.gov. So note that the only kind of confusing thing about it is you might first think it would be irs.com or something like that. No, it's a government website. So it's .gov. And then once you have that, you can basically, you don't even have to save it in a browser, really. It's irs.gov, and you can go there and you can find the latest forms and instructions, typically that being the Form 1040 for most, obviously, individual filers. They will be related instructions for them that they update each year because the, the code changes every year. Many components of it will be much the same. But you want to make sure that you got the, you know, the, the changes that are going to be relevant for that particular year. And you can find that in the instructions. So even if you're using tax software or something like that, it might still be worthwhile to actually go on the, the IRS website, get the instructions. So if you have any questions, you can look it up basically on a line by line starting point. Then you can find other resources from there. That's usually kind of like your starting point to then branch out and do your research. So references related to current tax laws and tax saving techniques. So you might have other, you might be working with a tax professional. You might be having some ideas in terms of your tax plans and tax laws that are going to be applicable to you. You might look through line items on the 1040 instructions that could branch you out to other types of resources that you believe are applicable to you. And then make sure that you have those resources you know, stored and available as you're thinking about your, your tax planning and preparation. Prepare pr prior year federal tax returns. Obviously, the prior year return is going to be your baseline to think about what's going to happen next year in a similar way as your current year's budget, your current period, month or year balance sheet and income statement is your baseline to project out what's going to happen into the following month or following year. Same is going to be due with the tax with the taxes they're taxing you on your income it's impossible really they're trying to tax you as you earn the money 
like and so really you're paying as you go that's why you get money if you're a w-2 employee taken out of your pay but it's impossible to be exact on that because the tax code's way too complex with the progressive tax system and you know all these deductions and credits that are just kind of they don't have a lot of them you know you don't know why exactly did that happen you know they don't have any rhyme or reason for and you don't really know what's going to happen until you actually file the tax return so what you're trying to do is look at what happened last year and if you have a stable year going from year to year with your income circumstances you would think the following year would be somewhat similar but if there's substantial changes to the tax code and if your income or circumstances change then of course there's going to be changes to the to the amount of taxes that are going to be applicable and again it, it takes more planning than you would think given the fact that taxes are not just simply a nice easy flat tax they're they're quite comp they have a lot of factors that can be involved in them so you need that starting point though the baseline so that you can then project out and see what's going to happen and change in the future so income records will of course include the w-2 form if you're a w-2 employee which may be mailed to you but they might be given it to you digitally at this point which hopefully is an easy thing for you to for you to pick up and get that hopefully that's an easier way to do it uh, the 1099 form, so from your institution, financial institutions, that includes something like interest, dividends, capital gains that you might be receiving, interest on things like bank accounts, dividends on things like savings accounts, stocks, for example, and then you've got the capital gains, that for something that you might have sold. So if you had stocks and bonds that you sold, you might have capital gains and those financial institutions should give you a 1099. When you receive a 1099, you're thinking, is this something that I have to include in income? It's quite likely that it's given to you for some reason. 1099 generally means, in other words, that you may possibly have to include this in income. And then we have other 1099 forms that you might get for self-employment income. So if you run your own business, if you have gig work that you're doing on the side, Schedule C type of business, sole proprietor in some way, you might get that self-employment uh, income, which if they if they give you the 1099 then of course you know that that 1099 also went to the irs and remember that these forms you you might think and it's kind of it's kind of marketed by the government that these forms are shown for your benefit these are for your benefit these forms and they you know they kind of are they help things out but really the government wants them to have the forms right the government is pressuring the employers whoever is paying the taxes to give them the forms so that the IRS has the W-2 form from the employer. They got the 1099 forms from the institutions. And the reason that works is, of course, the person that is paying wants to get a deduction, meaning your employer wants to get a deduction of your wages. Therefore, the IRS has leverage on them to say, if you want that deduction, you have to tell us who you are paying because I want to go after them. This is the IRS talking. I want to go after them and make sure that they're paying taxes on their income. So someone needs to be paying the taxes. In other words, if you're getting the deduction on the employer side, then whoever's getting the money, we want to make sure that they're paying the taxes. We want to go after you because you're getting the benefit of the deduction to force you to give us the information about who you paid so that we can get the money from them on the income side. That's generally how the whole kind of tax record system will work same thing with the 1099s the institutions are, are the ones that are paying so they're, they're the ones that the government's basically holding responsible 
to issue the 1099s. If you're self-employed, you might not get 1099s because if you're self-employed in some industries where you work not for businesses, but for sole proprietor for like other individuals, say you're a nail salon or a masseuse or something like that, then they're not, you're not going to get 10. No one's going to give you a 1099 generally unless you're working for a business, but you still need to record the income whether you get the 1099 or not uh, from, from a general tax standpoint. Just note that the 1099, of course, means that the government of, has, has the 1099 as well, and that should possibly help you, but hopefully you're tracking your own records if you're a sole proprietorship too. So then we have the royalty income. If you have royalty income, you might get a 1099 lump sum payments from pension or retirement plans. Then we have the expense records. Now, expense records get more complicated because a lot of times you might not get any records on the expense side of things. And this is really important, especially if you have like a sole proprietorship or something like that, where you're not going to get the records on the expense side. Generally, you're going to get the records on the income side, meaning the people, the IRS is, is making sure that people are reporting the income that you receive. Or they're trying to, as much as possible, be able to get a double verification of the income you're getting. They're not trying to get double verification on the expenses you're getting because the expenses are benefits to you. The expenses decrease the taxes. So you're on your own to make sure that you're, pay, you're picking up the expenses that are relevant. They're trying to verify the income to try to stop people from not reporting the income. So especially on those types of expenses where you don't get a form, that's where your bookkeeping becomes more relevant. And oftentimes that will be much more relevant when you're talking about expenses for something like a sole proprietorship, rental property, and that kind of thing. So other expenses that are kind of unusual that you're going to have to add up to could include medical expenses. This will differ depending on whether you can deduct them. I'm not going to get into too much detail on it, but just note that some people, you either get a standard deduction or an itemized deduction. Medical expenses are itemized deductions, and they also have a, a baseline threshold, which is a kind of funny thing as well. So if your medical deductions are fairly are higher, it's more likely that you, they'll actually benefit you. But if you're taking the standard deduction, then they may be lower than the threshold to need to track them. But if you need to track them, you got to make sure that you're tracking them, which can be kind of complex, given the fact that you have insurance involved as well. So there's kind of a question as to, you know, what are your medical bills? And did you actually pay the medical or were they reimbursed basically by the insurance company? If they were reimbursed, they're not you know, really deductible generally. <laughs> They're only deductible if, you know, you're paying them. And then we got the dependent care. So dependent care could be something that, that could be deductible if if you're paying for the care of the child. It's another one that's a little bit, it's a little bit confusing because it's not like a normal deduction that you would think about that would be something that you would be spending money for in order to help generate revenue. It's kind of a special thing that could lead to like a dependent care type of credit where you need to track this in order to get that and therefore, that's, you got to be aware of that circumstance so that you can make sure that your record keeping is tracking that dependent care as well as tracking the institution or person or whoever that you're paying for the dependent care so that you can give that to the IRS because now you're the person that's, basic, that's basically paying somebody else. You're benefiting and therefore the IRS wants to go after you to make sure that you're giving the information to them about who you paid because if you're getting the benefit, they want the other person's EIN number or social security number so they can go after them 
to make sure that they're reporting their income, right? And then we got the charitable donations. This is something that may, you might have some portion of it's deductible, even if you standardize, but usually if you give a lot to charity, it's an itemized deduction as well, at least on the federal income side of things. Then we've got mortgage interest. Now this is the big one, which will really normally kind of divide people out as to whether they're going to be taking the itemized deduction or the standard deduction. In other words, the standard deduction is what most people take. And if you own a home, then that means that you're usually going to have to take a mortgage out on it, a loan. And that means you pay interest on the loan. And those interest payments are usually reported on a form 1098. The 1098 is not a 1099, it's a 1098. And the 1099s usually represent that you may have something that you got to report in income. The 1098 is something that could help you in some other way, possibly something that could be deductible. In this case, it's significant. So it's something that the government, you know, wants the financial institutions to indicate to them as well, so that they can try to make sure that the people that are reporting interest expense are doing it appropriately uh, and not, not taking advantage or over-reporting on the interest expense. So now the interest and the real estate taxes on the home are often the two things that can push people over from standardized deductions to itemized deductions. So if you own a home and you pay taxes on it, then you might be more likely that you are itemizing. And therefore, you're also more likely to, to maybe have like medical expenses and charitable donations that you're going to have to keep better track of as well, because they will be more significant if you are itemizing. Whereas if you are not, they might not have a big impact on your tax situation. Again, laws can also change over time as well. Also, just remember that if you're thinking about buying a home and you're thinking about the interest that is going to be deductible, and that's often a sales pitch for, for the people that are, are trying to market the homes, the real estate agents and so on, you got to determine you know, how much over the itemized deductions you're getting a benefit for because you would have got a standard deduction anyways before that and so when you when you get the interest deduction you want to you want to consider the fact of where you would have been if you were not itemizing to where you would be if you were itemizing how much benefit are you actually getting from the the interest deductions given how far away you were from itemizing before to that point so it's business investment and rental property expenses so what so obviously if you have businesses a sole proprietorship or something like that you want to make sure that you're tracking the expenses and those are the ones that really make sense they make the most sense from just a normal income tax what you would think would be deductible meaning anything that you had to expend in order to generate the revenue on say a schedule c or on say a rental property you would think those are the things that you would be able to deduct for an income tax. Same with like investment items, right? If you had to expend something in order to, to uh, get the revenue of the investment, you would think that would be the type of thing that would be deductible for income taxes.